You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. Episode 76 of the Habs Culture podcast. My name is Justin Schwartz and I'm alongside Liam Baum. We are inching closer and closer to the NHL trade deadline. The deadline is March 8th at 3 p.m. I think as Habs fans this year, in comparison to other years, we're excited, but not overly excited. The big fish that went out the door for the Canadians was Sean Monaghan. That was probably at least a good two, three weeks ago now, probably three weeks ago. And that was alongside Elias Lindholm. And that those two deals happened um, within a few days of one another. And then things kind of quieted down. We didn't see much movement. And then as of yesterday, February 28th, we saw Chris Tanev get dealt to the Dallas Stars, adding that right shot defenseman, that veteran presence, and honestly for a good price. And we'll get into that. We're going to keep this episode a little bit shorter today because I think we have something special planned for the trade deadline next week. So we'll keep you guys tuned, tuned in on that. But Liam, right off the bat, I'm going to give you a few names. David Savard, Jake Evans, Jake Allen, and last but not least, Joel Armia. Out of these four names, by March 8th, 3 p.m., how many of them do you expect to get moved? Realistically, probably one. And I think that's going to be Jake Allen. But what I'm hoping for is three of them. I, I honestly like Jake uh, Jake Evans a lot. You know, he's solid on the bottom six. And the Habs obviously have so many injuries that they need guys to fill their lineup. And we, we didn't even mention that they signed Colin White, but, you know, another bottom six guy just to add on to the roster. But I'm hoping Armia, Allen, and Savard are all shipped out. Can't really guarantee it based on what we've heard from some of the insiders. Um, Chris Tanev, also the, the big right D, the big fish, is off the board. And that leaves David Savard as the second highest ranked right defenseman on the trade board. So, you know, like the Lindholm deal, Sean Monahan instantly became the next big guy up and was moved relatively quickly. So we'll see what the offers are or how Kent, Kent Hughes responds to, you know, some of the offers that are coming towards him. And we'll see if Savard is able to fetch a good enough offer that, that he's moved. And personally, I think what's smart for the Canadians, knowing that Savard wants to continue playing for the Canadians, is they should deal Savard and then sign him back when his contract expires the season after. So Savard gets a chance to win the cup, and then you bring Savard back as that vet presence, and he's able to finish his career with the Canadians. Yeah, I don't See, mind that. Yeah. The, I would like to see that in, in terms of Jake Allen, obviously hoping he gets moved because the three goalies just isn't the right right move to have right now. We need our other goalies to develop. We've talked about it a lot. And then Joel, Joel Armia, starting in the minors this season, has been pretty good, honestly. played a sol He's playing a solid role in the bottom six. He has 10 goals on the season. 
And I think he'd be pretty solid on any contending team's bottom six. So those are the three guys I'd like to see out. Hopefully we keep Jake Evans, in my opinion, unless a crazy offer comes in. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think I'm in agreement there. I think for the right price, all four of them can get moved, to be completely honest with you. Evans is probably the guy on on out of those four that I would prefer to keep. Um, but nonetheless, right, if, if, if you're throwing in, him into a deal to get something greater in return, then, then why not? Um, the one out of the four, you know, you kind of mentioned, well, Jake Allen's the guy that you think will be the most likely out the door. To me, I think it's going to be David Savard. I think you're looking at a 33-year-old right-shot D-man He's currently uh, has a cap hit of three and a half million, like you said, for this year and the year after that. Look, I think you're you got to play the game here, or Ken Hughes got has got to play the game where, well, you see Tanev off the board, you see the price that he went for, and let's be completely honest. I think if you're a Calgary Flames fan, you're not really too excited about that return. It wasn't anything out of the ordinary. Um, but I think Ken Hughes needs to jump on the opportunity to ship out Savard. I think that's a cap hit that. Of course, it's it's not it's not it's not too high, not too low. It kind of meets right in the middle for where for where um, the cap is at this point in time in the 2023-2024 season. But I still think that the Canadians could afford to lose David Savard, considering how many guys they have coming up, whether it's from the minors or whether it's from the juniors, that are going to probably assume his role once his time with the Canadians is over. So you kind of make room for someone else to come up while also probably, you know, properly, properly uh, managing your assets. So that's the guy for me that I like to see moved. But nonetheless, I think, I think it's going to be interesting. I think we could see a trade deadline, Liam, where the Canadians make no moves. I think that's within, within the realm of possibility. Yeah. Um, is is it ideal? Probably not, because I think I mean you got kind of got to pull the trigger on some guys. But you know what? The guy also Liam and and you and you mentioned it before, Joel Armia, right? We're we're talking about a guy that for the last few games now, kind of up and down, but has been consistently playing a little bit with Joshua and Alex Newhook has looked pretty solid. Like you mentioned, ten goals on the season. I think he's probably the guy. I won't say that will fetch the most, but that could contribute the most to a playoff contending team in that bottom six. What do you think? Yeah, I'd say he'd probably contribute the most in terms of the role he's given. Obviously, he's not you know, the type of player uh, a top six guy would be, but you need these guys on a playoff team to contribute and play their role. He plays that, you know, that power forward role that's tough to come by in the NHL. And, and I'm sure he'd be very good on any contending team that needs a guy like that it just boosts your boosts your your team morale and and just overall chemistry when you have a guy like that putting his body on the line every night blocking shots taking making hits he's not necessarily scoring goals but he'll get those bottom six goals if we go back to 2021 when the Habs were in the the finals and made that beautiful run he contributed exactly how he should have put up a minimal amount of points but at the same time you know you play your role that's all you got to do to be successful Hundred percent, and you look at his role in the PK too. I don't know if you mentioned at the at the top there, but it's just you know that's been incredible. And even look at last game when the Habs were playing against Arizona, and you know at this point in the season, you don't really want the Canadians to be winning too too many games. And I mean, Sam Montebo seems to be the complete opposite of a tank commander at this point in time. But 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 you look at the way that St. Louis used 
Yoel Armia in those last few minutes. He believed in him to ice the game. And the Canadians haven't been up in many games at home um, and, and needed to close out the game. So to see Yoel Armia out there with Nick Suzuki was, you know, I guess... I guess showed St. Louis confidence in Yoel Armia and shows that other teams and other management teams could put their trust in Yoel Armia in a similar position. Um, is there anything you wanted to add there? No, 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 you covered it all. Um, just had last thing to cover about the Habs. They were on a five game losing streak, broke it with that win against Arizona. Obviously not too great for the tank, but always want the Habs to win, build the culture up, you know, keep the morales high, I guess. Hey, you got to win a game here and there, right? You got to, you still got players that players are going out there every game to compete and win. So, you know, you can't, you can't be like Arizona, right? You can't be on a 13 game losing streak. I mean, obviously mm -hmm. stuff like that happens, but it's, it's very demoralizing. Um, speaking about, uh, you know, younger prospects, younger players, we're going to go down the trade bait board, see if where we think guys will end up. Um, but before we do that, Liam, before we do that, there's just one thing I want to address. Firstly, I want I want to make sure you guys have access to, you know, TikTok and Twitter and make sure that you guys go check out our mock trades and the things that we do there because it's a lot of fun. We get a lot of heat for some of the mock trades that we cook up, but nonetheless, it's a lot of fun to hear your guys' opinions. Some people like love them. I think it's really, you know, TikTok, Twitter, it's really a love hate type of thing with uh with the content we put out. But it's still fun to hear your guys' opinions. But the one opinion that I can't fathom, Liam, is the ideology amongst a lot of fans that the Canadians need to keep these first round picks, need to keep these second round picks, need to keep their picks in general. And I don't know if it's just me and you, and I'm not saying that we're necessarily right or wrong, but it just, it's weird to me considering if you look at this core of the Canadians team, forward and defense alike, but more forwards, you look at Nick Suzuki, Kirby Doc, Cole Caulfield, Slavkovsky, Newhook, Joshua. Now the common ground amongst these guys is that they're all young. But I think we can all agree, or not, there's, it's not an agree thing. It's 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 an objective statement. All these guys are within are are within well, except for Slavkovsky, within twenty to twenty three slash twenty four years old. So that's the range that you kind of want to be bringing these guys in. Now, my question to you is, Liam, if if you know if the Canadians go out and move that twenty twenty five first round pick that they have, whether it's theirs or whether it's Calgary's, that's their pick not only in this coming upcoming draft but the one after that, and the player that they draft is going to be eighteen years old. Then you're going to have some of these guys that are 24, 25, 26. You're going to be getting to that point where you're going to want to compete. Exactly. So I don't understand this common notion amongst fans where it's like, we need to keep these picks. We need to keep them. We need to draft these young players. Because for one, there's no guarantee on these players. And for two, it's not really in our window. I think we're. I think that window for where you want to draft guys, especially out of the first round, is kind of closing. I know it sounds, it might sound dumb, but the player that you draft this year is going to be 18. And once he develops to full maturity, you're looking at it, he's going to be 23, 24 years old. So why not go out and get an HS? Why not go out and get a Bushnevich? Why not go out and get a Holtz? And yeah. I know you kind of agree with me, but is there anything you want to add there? Yeah, it's not like Suzuki and Caulfield are 20 years old. It's not like we have a Bedard who's 18 and that's our core. Like We're already in this phase where in three, four years, we got to be in the playoffs. We got to be contending. So if we're using these first round picks and not to mention, they're probably the Winnipeg and Calgary one are both going to be relatively late slash, you know, three quarters of the way through the first round. So you're going to what wait four years for these guys to fully develop and make it into your lineup. Then Suzuki's 28 years old and all of a sudden, oh, now we're going to start winning. 
it's just that's just not how it works. The Habs have so many draft picks and all the draft capital to expend on players like we did for Kirby Dak, like we did for Alex Newhook. And I think that's the plan moving forward. We're acquiring these guys who are in that age range, which we've talked about before is obviously we have Slavkovsky who's just turned 20, but you're in that age range from like 22 to 24 right now. So those are the guys you got to acquire. I just don't see how people argue that we need to make every single draft pick. First of all, the Canadians have been terrible at making draft picks. So that's, that's the first point. That's that's got to be on their mind. So, personally, obviously, I, I agree with you. We're we're very much in agreement with that, and I think it's time for the Habs to you know continue to make these trades for those guys who are already pretty much established, and that's how we're going to build our core. Yeah, and and I'm not saying you know go out there and give up your whole entire future for a guy like Pavel Bushnevich. Obviously, mm-hmm. we can we can draw the line in the sand where where we think it's a where where we're talking about a fair trade versus kind of just giving up way too many assets. But nonetheless, some of these guys will have an instant impact. Bushnevich has been an incredible player on both the Rangers and St. Louis. Alex Holtz is getting underutilized in New Jersey. And a guy like um a guy like Marty Natchez, who has all the skill in the world, but doesn't seem to have that, you know, that connection with Rob Brindamore. And clearly it, it's showing as his time goes by in in Carolina. So for people to to call it absurd or for people to say that it's, you know, it doesn't make sense for the Canadians to go out and get these guys to me just doesn't make sense because this Canadian team has been in a rebuild for the last two years. And now this is our third year of being in, in a full rebuild. I think we can move on to the fact that the Canadians should try and be a little bit more competitive down the road starting next year, especially after a full summer and a, another draft. Yeah, and I think this goes for Trevor Zegers. This goes for Capocacco. This goes all, for all those guys that just haven't been given the the right role or maybe just don't fit into the team's system necessarily. So, yeah, we're all for uh, acquiring these younger guys. Um, let's get into the, let's get into the trade bait board. Give our predictions. So, so yeah, just quickly. We have yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, off off the bat, Tanev is off the board. Sean Monahan. Elias Lindholm, Kuzmenko, those guys are all off the board. Hopefully we have an exciting trade deadline this year. Obviously, it's about a week out. And last season, all the trades pretty much happened three, four, five days before, which made the trade deadline pretty much not exciting at all. But hopefully teams and GMs, you know, wait a little bit so that we, we have some excitement next Friday. Um, yeah, go ahead. So... At the top of the board, we have Noah Hannafin, which we talked about a couple episodes ago and, you know, or maybe last episode on where we thought he would end up, you know, what makes sense for teams, right? Because we, I think we can both agree that he's a guy that's more than likely going to get moved. Wherever he goes, he's going to, he's going to play some heavy minutes. He's going to be really important to whichever team he goes to. Now it's a question of if he will, wherever he goes, he will most likely resign because no one's going to give up a ton of assets for Noah Hannafin to not resign with their respective team. Liam, if there's one destination for Noah Hannafin, we are currently February 29th. Where, where, where's Noah Hannafin ending up? The big word around Noah Hannafin is, or the big team that's after him is Toronto. But I'm going to give a, another team, and I'm going to say Vegas. I think Vegas is in need of, actually, I don't know. Are they really in need of a defenseman? They, they're more in need of a forward with the injuries they have. So I'll say Toronto 
as my pick for now. That that's my only only team that I have in mind. I think I think I can see him depending on what they give up, right? Because we have to always consider what they're able to give up. I like Boston in this case. I like Boston a lot. I think I think last year they made the necessary moves at the deadline to really bulk up their team, Bertuzzi, Orlov, etc. Obviously, it didn't benefit them in the playoffs. They got bounced in round one to the Panthers. But I think that they're going to take that same approach because I think that they're going to really want to make sure that their decor is you know, pristine going into the playoffs, right? They have Charlie McAvoy. They have Hampus Lindholm, who they also acquired last year. But I think that outside of that, I think it gets... I won't ago. call it... Correct, Lindholm, two years ago. Thank you. But I think it gets relatively thin. You look at Grizzlick, you look at Mason Lorai, you look at Derek Forbort, but I think that Hannafin can be that second pairing guy that holds down the fort and also brings it both at, at the offensive and defensive end. So that would be my pick for now. I mentioned St. Louis um, last episode, but that would be a, a, a move that they would make more for their future as opposed to contending, obviously. Um, but I, if I had to go with a contending team, it would probably, probably be Boston here. Yeah, I like that. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Hampus Lindholm is injured right now. Right. So that also that also might contribute to their 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 willingness to go out and get Hannafin. I think I see I see it fitting, and I think I also could see them potentially resigning him too. Right? Like you look last year, look at you, like they lost Bergeron right to retirement. They lost Krejci as well. I mean, not that that affects the decor necessarily, but I think it affects their decision making because I think that their window I won't call it is small. Or closing, if you will. But I think that, you know, they really want to take advantage of the fact that they still have Pasternak. They're getting some great games in goal right now. McAvoy is one of the better defensemen in the league, right? So, like, they, they, they I think they really want to, and, espe and especially since they're doing so well in the standings, I don't think you can possibly ignore that. So, no, that's that's my pick for Hannafin. Um, all right. Moving on. So, Jacob Markstrom's number two on this trade bait board. Uh, there was a report from David Pagnotta saying that. It seemed as it I, apparently the Devils circled back on Markstrom recently. However, the Flames are planning again. This is not confirmed or set in stone, but they're planning on keeping Markstrom for the rest of the season. What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on uh, the Flames uh, holding on to Markstrom and not moving him by the deadline? Considering if they could return uh, retain fifty percent, I think that's an amazing deal. If they were, would be able to trade him, because that would be a three million dollar cap it, and. I think this year more than ever, there's a lot of playoff teams who are in need of a number one goalie, whether that be New Jersey, Carolina, LA. I guess that's it. But whether what one of those three teams should definitely make a splash if if Calgary is able to retain. And there was a deal in place for him to be traded to New Jersey like two weeks ago, I believe. But the Devils didn't want to retain. And he does have two years left after this season, I believe. So I, I doubt Calgary would want to retain on that contract. But, you know, Markstrom has always been a very consistent, solid goalie. Other than last season, his numbers are very, very strong. And he came back this year playing on a not-so-great Calgary team, putting up great numbers, and really the reason why they're still in the playoff race. But I hear there was just news out like a few minutes ago that Frederick and Anderson is almost ready to come back, but there's so many question marks about him. Maybe Carolina goes in and picks up Markstrom. I doubt it, but I'd like to see New Jersey pick him up. 
I think that would make a lot of sense. And considering New Jersey has really struggled um, in goal for the most part, right? You know, now now they have Nico Dawes up, Akira Schmidt's backing up. Pretty, sh- uh, yeah, uh, uh, Akira Schmidt is backing up, yeah. and Vitek Vanacek is hurt. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, if he's not going to get moved, I can see. I I don't know. Two years left for Markstrom. Maybe they get a little bit more out of him next year and then move him next year when he's an expiring UFA. But I don't I don't know what you know, if there's a demand for him now, I don't see why they wouldn't move him. I think if you yeah. really wanna if you really want to make a statement, Liam, I think I think you can argue like New Jersey hundred percent, but I don't think you can argue with the fact with the idea of LA going out and acquiring Jacob Markstrom. I mean, for sure. that team on paper can compete in my opinion with pretty much any team in this league but they suffer in goal whether it's Talbot who started very hot but slowed down or whether it's David Riddick it's just not doing it for them and we've talked about this so getting a guy like Jacob Markstrom like look last year right LA went and got out went and got Jonas Corposalo right they went and got Jonas Corposalo and don't get me wrong they still lost to Edmonton in the playoffs but if it wasn't for Corposalo that that series would have been done way before it was you need a goalie that's going to get hot at the right time and who's going to produce. And Markstrom has the experience. He's 33 years old. And his numbers this year, he's posted a 9-13 with a 2.6 goals against. Like, he's had a solid season. Put him in front of a good team, and I don't see why anyone would really be able to contend. Well, people would be able to contend with LA, but they'd they'd be a team to... They don't, they're not a team to mess with if they were able to get a goalie at the deadline. Yeah. No, it'd be really interesting to see. I, I love goalie moves just because it really changes the dynamic of a team and... Adding Corby Sello last year really helped them out in the long run, but obviously you have to play McDavid and Dreisaitl. It's tough, tough to to keep the puck out of the net. Uh, moving on, maybe the biggest name on this list, maybe one of the more realistic big players to come off the list too, Gensel. 30 years old, or going to be 30 years old, $6 million cap hit, UFA at the end of the season. I would think wherever he goes would be a sign and trade or at least Gensel committing to signing with the team in the offseason. There's only one one team in my mind that could really use him. I mean, any team could use him, but that would truly benefit. And to me, that's the Edmonton Oilers. You throw him on a line with Connor McDavid, throw him on that power play one, I... Who comes off that power play one? I don't know. But he's a proven 40-goal scorer, 80-point player. He's the whole, the, the, the big package, the guy you want to go out and get. Who knows how much that costs, whether that's first-round pick, top prospect, two first-round picks. Whatever it is, I think Edmonton has to be all in. McDavid and Dreisaitl's contracts are coming to an end. You just got to go out and try to win the cup at this point because they've done a little bit too much beating around the bush, not having successful trade deadlines, not going out and getting that guy. So if this is the trade de- deadline to do it, you probably have the biggest name since, I don't Patrick Kane last year. But Gensel's way younger and will commit to a long-term contract with whoever, whoever he gets traded with. So where do you think he's going? No, I think I agree with you on Edmonton. I think it's the one that makes the most sense. I think that's the one that we're hearing the most about. Now, it's a question. If they're GM, you look you look two spots down this list on this trade bait board. It's the Edmonton first round pick. 
because every single season there is a reluctance to move that first round pick every single season. They did it last year for Matias Ekholm, which was which ended up being a very very solid move for them. Established established player, gave them stability on their decor. It made sense. But in the past they haven't. Before that. And now you're looking at it like you said, Drysdale McDavid's contracts are coming up soon, soon enough. Too too soon for Edmonton's liking. And you really I here's my take Liam. I think for the Oilers, I know this might, I won't say it sounds dumb, but I think it's cup or bust for Edmonton. I mean, they've made it to the Western Conference Final two years in a row. Correct me if I'm wrong, but two years in a row. No, they got eliminated to Vegas in the second round, but year before Last that, year. yeah. Last year. Year before that, they, they made it to the Western Conference Final against the Colorado Avalanche. Mm-hmm. But two years in a row, they've had some sort of playoff success. But no matter what, as long as they have McDavid and Dreisaitl, not winning the cup is not is not good enough. And that's why I think if you're Edmonton, you need to go out and acquire Jake Gensel for the sole purpose of bulking up that top six, which allows the your depth, your, your depth automatically becomes better. And you also don't have to rely on two guys specifically. I mean, look, let's put it this way, Liam. You have Connor McDavid, you have Dreisaitl. If you go out and acquire Gensel, you have Jake Gensel, Evander Kane, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman. Like now you're talking about nine players, give or take, maybe seven, seven to nine players. Then you add you, you add those guys that are playing those middle to bottom six roles. Like you're looking at a serious top six that has depth scoring. Their decor obviously can use a little bit of work. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, David Savard. Please go and take him from us for one of your depth, you know, AHLers. Not depth AHLers, excuse me. I, I, meant, uh, I meant the depth prospects, if you want to put it that way. But nonetheless, I mean, you can't you can't tell me that it wouldn't be the scariest offensive off, offensive core going into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I don't want to get into it too much, but personally, I think I'd rather see Edmonton go after some third liners. I, I feel like that's a hot take, but they've never had like a very bona fide third line, like gritty player style, like like Tampa had with Gord. Coleman and Goodrow it brought them so much success and what Vegas has with Nick Waugh and a couple guys like that Edmonton just has all these skilled guys and at the end of the day like how many scores can you put on a team how many more can you add it's not like they're lacking in goals for they're lacking in in grit I'd say right. so personally I, I'd honestly be a little more obviously it's it would be very exciting to see Gensel but I'd be more inclined as an Oilers fan to want to acquire a guy who's actually going to, you know, I sound like a Leafs fan now. No, no, but I know what you mean, but I know what you mean. Like at the end of the day, sorry to cut you off, but I think what you're getting at is you rather give up the first round pick and maybe a few more assets to get, I'm just throwing out names now to get maybe like an, like a Savard to get a Savard to establish that decor, but to also get, like a Jack Roslovic or an Eberly type of thing, you know. I'm if just I'm just yeah, teetering with names, you know. But if it's like a Frank Vetrano, if it's uh, a Wenberg, you know, these guys who are bona fide third liners, but they play their role so well that it's going to lead you to more playoff success because you already have those guys who can score. It's not like they're right. lacking goals, so I think they need to go. If that first round pick is being dealt for. I think Vetrano would fetch a first round pick back at this point, but I think that's perfectly worth it to to get a third an established third line and you know maybe add another defenseman to that. 
Liam, I'm just going to take a second here to shout out our sponsors at DraftKings. No hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN. New customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Okay, so now we have three of the bigger fish out of the way. And then it kind of drops off significantly. We messed, we 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 mentioned um we mentioned that Edmonton first round pick. Quick question circling back on Hannafin because I saw it here. Tampa Bay first rounder. Do you think that there's a you think that there's a look, I get this is probably one of the first years in a long time that Tampa is not a confirmed playoff team. Do you still do you still think there's an avenue considering that they lost Sergachev long term? that Tampa goes out and makes a splash move for a guy like Hannafin? Or do you think it for, makes sense? Yeah, for sure. I, I'm. We forgot to mention this, but Hannafin did actually mention he had a desire to play in Tampa. So I think it's very realistic. And yeah, considering you just freed up $8.5 from LTIR and Sergachev going, being placed on LTIR, they've got the cap space now, which usually there's a guy on LTIR. Maybe Sergachev comes back in the playoffs, but they do their little uh, their swindling. You their want, cap circumvention. If you want to call it, yeah, that's the right word. But yeah, definitely, definitely an avenue for Hannafin to be on. One guy I want to mention is Adam Henrique. Very, very good season so far. Another guy who would probably slot into second line, third line, center role like Sean Monahan does. I see him very, very likely going to Colorado, who need desperately need a center for that second line or Boston who as well desperately need a center. And he's making 5.852 million. He's a UFA at the end of the season. A vet who's been in the playoffs, knows how to play his role. And at 50% retained, he'd be just uh, above 2.5 million, 2.6 mil. Very underrated season from Adam Henrique. Like you mentioned, 36 points in 54 games. I mean, that's pretty impressive for a, for a 34-year-old on an expiring contract. Um, a few other names out there, Liam, before we before we wrap it up. Vladimir Tarasenko, Sean Walker, um, Alex Carrier, Bushnevich is on this list. We talked about him. Jake Allen, like we mentioned before. Eberly, Roslovic, Vetrano. Now, I know I'm ripping through them, but if there was we- one guy that... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, should we just like spit out? I'll spit out some some names, some I guess higher tier names. How about right we go back bat, and forth? We'll go back and forth. Uh, okay. All right. All right. I'll start it off. Where do you think Scott Lawton's going? Scott Lawton, I could see that if if, if Edmonton doesn't. I know I'm going long here, but if Edmonton doesn't take that route on Gensel, I can see Edmonton pulling the trigger on Scott Lawton. I like it. I'll give you Vlad Tarasenko. Give me Vegas. They need to add a a vet Vegas. guy. Add him in the top six. Scoring without Mark Stone. I like it. Uh, all right. Let me scroll down the list here. I don't know if it's likely, but Jacob Chikrin. Jacob Chikrin, if he were to get moved, I, I don't even think it would necessarily be to a contender. <clears throat> give me St. Louis. Give me St. Louis. Okay. St. Random, Louis. but give me St. Louis. Jack Roslovic. Oof. I don't know. He's he's bottom six guy. Hasn't really produced much. Give me... Give me the Rangers. 
add him to the bottom actually, six. Actually, I I actually think that the, I can see that being realistic. Actually, I like it. All right, Jordan Eberle. Ooh, Eberle. He's he's a he's a second liner. I mean, I like the return to Edmonton. I don't mind that either. I just wonder. I just wonder what the the paying price is. If I had to give another team that wasn't, oof, I don't like this game right now. It's, it's I'm thinking, hard. It's I'm hard thinking. To, too, I'm yeah. thinking too hard. You know what? Give me Boston. Give me Boston. Okay. I think it might. They might try and replicate a similar Bertuzzi move, if you will, where you're getting that guy that might flourish in a different environment. Like he has 30 points in 51 games, right? Put him with Pasternak. Yeah. Put him on on that top power play. You never know what can happen. Um, um, okay, I'll try and, uh, uh, yeah, did you have another one? No, I was just going to say <laughs> a couple guys who are expected to return a first round pick, or at least the teams are hoping would be, uh, Sean Walker. I don't know how Matt Dump don't really know how either. And, uh, there was one more guy in the, the list. I David Savard forgot. Was it David Savard? I was thinking of, oh, maybe well, it was I know Scott it was Chris Tanev. I know Chris Tanev was expecting to return a first, and he didn't. So, you know, one I thing know. I just want to point out is that there's so much talk about teams wanting a first round pick, and then they'll just settle for a second or third in a prospect, a mid prospect. I just, I never understand it. It's like, yeah, I thought Tanev no, I... was going to get a way bigger haul. Right. Yeah. But wasn't, Interesting. Wasn't the case. Great asset management by Dallas, and and speaking of which, I think that they're going to do a lot of damage in the playoffs. I mean, their decor is is set and ready to rock, and so are the, so is their forward core. So we'll see. Um, I was going to give you another one right off the bat. Anthony Mantha. Interesting name. <laughs> Might not even necessarily be to a contender. Yeah. No, he's been playing really well. And uh, considering Washington's probably not going to make the playoffs, uh, who can even afford him? Like, can Minnesota pick him up? I don't know. I mean, expiring UFA? Yeah, that's true. Um, having a Having a decent you know, season. You know, give me the Panthers. I feel like if they added Mantha, he'd Ooh. he'd succeed in their system. I like that. I actually I didn't think of that. I wonder. And, and we have a we have a couple minutes here. I don't know if you wanted to talk about this quickly. The Panthers. I mean, they're a team that look like they went out and gave up a lot for Claude Giroux. Went out and gave up a lot for Ben Sherratt. This is two playoff series. Uh, two two years ago in the playoffs. Did not work out in their favor. Did not no, work out not in their favor. All. Last year, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know any of the moves that they made. I don't think that they made any that were no, that no, I can that I can think of. Yeah, I don't know if they got like a defense. I don't think they got anybody. No. So here's my question to you. I think that they're good with what they have. I think that they're okay to like I don't think that they should just go out and get a guy just to be part of you know, the trade frenzy, just you have a good mm. team. Now, but if there was if one player on this list. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Oh, if, if there was saying... one player on this list, who would, who, who would you, who would yeah. you wreck? Who would you say? I, if I put this, if this player on their team could be a lower tier guy or a higher tier guy, but if I put this player on their team, I think that, I think that it makes them sub substantially better. Well, substantially, I, I wouldn't even say anybody, but I'd love to see a return to Florida for a couple guys. Like, Vetrano returned to Florida. Anthony Duclair, I think, would slot in really well again. And uh, Alex Wenberg as well. Uh, those are three guys who all played for Florida. You know, know most of the guys there, I'd assume. 
and uh, I feel like would all play a significant middle six role. I I think I think that's fair, and I think that's what they need. Um, if yeah. I was gonna give a guy, if I was gonna give a guy, I would weirdly go with Joel Edmondson. Um, more of a guy that can play those that second third pairing, those second third pairing minutes. And you know they have a great decor, right? Ekblad, Montour, Gustav Gustav Forsling, Ekman Larson. I mean, sometimes I just feel like it's it's that one defenseman away type of mentality for a team. And I'm not saying that Edmondson necessarily pushes them over the edge, but when you get deep into a playoff run, you want those guys that can log minutes and be and be there for stability purposes, like I mentioned before. So he's a guy that might cost you close to nothing instead of having yeah. to go out and give up for Savard and you know, uh, Sean Walker type, uh, players. So yeah, that's my, that's my, uh, final my guy. guy. I just want to throw out there just for fun. Is UC Saros getting traded? Is UC Saros getting traded? My answer is yes. My answer is yes. I think One that remaining five mil. I'll tell you why. I think that you, if you get to the offseason and you have UC Saros on your team, it creates more po- problems than anything for the Nashville Predators. You have a guy that's going to want money. And I think we've come to the point, Liam, where in this league, in the NHL, we can all agree that it's not worth it to pay goalies. It's not. I don't, I mean, no, well, there's a, there's a fine line. There's a, there's a yeah. certain amount that you'd be willing to spend. But if UC Saros is already, like you mentioned, at five plus, is he going to want six plus? Is he going to want seven plus? Is he going to want eight plus? And is that worth it for UC Saros when you have a guy in the system in, in, in Askarov, right? Like, I don't think you can validate keeping him for that much or resigning him for that no. much. And once so again, I think, I'm sh- yeah, go ahead. I'm sure we, I'm sure we both agree that it's either Carolina, New Jersey or uh, LA who would go after him. Yeah, and and again, like I, I my 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 point stands. I think that LA would be the biggest benefactor of a goalie. I think, despite the other teams having incredible teams all around, I think that LA has really proven that when they get good goalie play, they're really tough to beat. So give me. I'm not saying Saros is going to go to LA, but if I think there was one team that should pursue Saros, it would be L- the LA Kings. All right, I think we covered most of the big names here. Um, obviously a lot of Habs on the board as I'm sure it'll be a quiet one for the Habs. Like it was last year. I don't, I don't, we made one move trading Dadanov for Gurionov and he's no longer a part of the system, but hopefully it's exciting next week. We're also looking to go live for the first time in a long time and, uh, you know, cover maybe the last hour or two of the trade deadline where it starts to heat up. If there's a lot of guys still remaining. And I think that that would be a lot of fun. So check in with that, Justin. Any comments? Yeah, we'll be posting it on social media to you know when and where. Um, probably on on many platform platforms, including TikTok. So make sure to check it out. And again, make sure to check out all our social media content. We're having a lot of fun with that. But uh, but yeah, so a week today we'll probably be uh, going live at some you know at a little bit you know maybe an an hour and a half ago, two hours ago, we'll be lives. Um, a week today. So uh, make sure to check it out. We'll be posting on social media. And uh, like we like we usually do, we, 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 we really appreciate you guys tuning in. So thanks a lot. And uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.